Hello, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we're going to be reviewing the new Netflix thriller film called The Guilty. All right, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for The Guilty? Sure. A demoted police officer assigned to a call dispatch desk is conflicted when he receives an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman. All right. And in sweet tradition, let's start off with our one-sentence summaries. All right. Mine is the American knockoff of the Danish thriller that reminds us that less is often more. Oh, interesting. Yes. I'm intrigued your thoughts. It doesn't quite reveal itself too much in your <laughs> summary. Um, but clearly you favor the Danish version, which I'm intrigued I to hear about uh, since you got a chance to watch that one. And I know the internet has so many feelings about the fact that this was a remake of the Danish version, almost to a T. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, my summary was typing fast is a necessity for taking 911 calls. Well done. Yes, I'm it so is. I'm so impressed. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, those are fingers of fury. Wow. Right? Yeah. So fast. Oh, man. Okay. Well, let's start off with our initial thoughts of The Guilty. And because this is a thriller film, uh, we will include our spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen The Guilty yet, we may talk about uh, lots of the plot events that happen. And so, yeah, check it out on Netflix before continuing to listen. All right. So your thoughts on... The U.S. version of the guilty, at least. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, so I watched the Netflix version first. Um, I was like, okay, you know, this is fine. I, I had a good time with it. You know, I, I enjoy that we're getting more thrillers like this that happen in a room uh, as opposed to having to like see all of the action. We can imagine it happening. So I thought that that was really fun. You know, Jake Gyllenhaal is wonderful as always. So like I had a good time with it. And then I read all of these reviews where people were like, nah, this movie sucks. The Danish one is great. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to track down this movie. Um, so I did. And um, yep, the Danish version is better. Uh, so that the, the two films are very similar to each other. Like some lines were directly taken, like a lot of it is very, very similar, but I think the the Danish movie just works better. There are some things that the American version did differently that uh, I don't think work as well. So it's just funny how now that I've watched the Danish one, uh, my version or my view of the American version has changed significantly and I'm like why why did you have to remake this because the original is so good (laughs) like why this was unnecessary yeah which I've heard so many people on the internet be so upset about and and it sounds like the U.S. version this Netflix version really remade it like to a T um Mm -hmm. yeah which I think people have lots of feelings about whether or not that should be done or not and Especially like like Disney will do that with their live action remakes of their um, their own properties and their own films, and so yeah, it's an interesting discussion that's happening around like should this even be done or not when it's so similar. Did you feel that it was it was pretty close to the Danish version? Oh you even yeah, mentioned some of the lines. Yeah. Like I mean, mm. l- like lines of dialogue, pages of dialogue know. were the exact same. Like even things mm. like one of his first calls is the guy who got robbed by the prostitute and both yeah. of their, them are in blue BMWs. So it's like that level of detail being the exact same, but mm-hmm. the American version did break from the Danish version in a few okay. places. Um, and I think that those, those areas of difference actually didn't work as well in the American version. Interesting. Um, I, the the beauty of the Danish version is that the main character that we're following is so uh, controlled and calm when mm. he shouldn't be and like basically emotionless. And um, so then when he does fly off the handle, when he does explode, like it really 
like rattles mm. you because you don't expect it. But in the American version, you know from minute one that Joe is mm. jacked up. And so when he explodes, when he has these emotional reactions, it's it's not as dramatic or at least for me, it's not as interesting because he was always unstable in my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so more my question was, how are you still a police officer? How are you still on that the force not- when you're this jacked up? As opposed to like being really, really invested in the story. Whereas in the Danish one, like I was completely in the story mm-hmm. because the main character was so cool, calm and collected and competent at his job, uh, even though he didn't want to be there. So, it, and it was just little things like that. Like in the American version, he has uh, a wife and a child and he talks to the wife in the Danish version. It's like halfway through the film, it's revealed that his wife moved out. You know, mm-hmm. So it's these little differences that I think, the Danish version did better than the American version. Mm. So the changes made actually deviated away from the overall effectiveness of the film. It sounds like. Yeah. At least they did for me. Like while I was watching the Danish version, like a difference would come up and I was like, Oh yeah, no, that's better. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we have to, why did, why did we have to remake the whole movie in English? Mm. That's just dumb. Read the subtitles. It's still really, really good. But why did we need to remake it? And like carbon copy so much of it and then like Mm -hmm. go away from it in places that really didn't help make it better. Gotcha. I'm also intrigued from a filmmaking perspective, like the soundtrack, the sh- the cinematography. How did the two compare? Mm-hmm. A lot of it, at least from the cinematography, was pretty similar. Oh um, like there were some shots that I was like, "Oh yeah, no, that's the same." <laughs> but mm. I think with with the the soundtrack, there there wasn't a lot of noise in the Danish one. And there was a lot of times when he would just sit in silence, whereas in the American version, it was those like high pitched tones that I just hate because it makes me feel like I'm losing my mind and I don't want to feel that way while watching a movie. (laughs) Um, And so, again, that just plays into this like I knew that Joe's character was real jacked up and like Mm -hmm. losing his mind. But in the Danish one, like, no, he's in full, you know, he has full control of his faculties. Like, he's Mm -hmm. fine. He's little messed up because he's a corrupt cop but you know he's not like going to the loony bin basically Mm -hmm. so I think the use of silence in the Danish one is far more effective than just having those annoying high-pitched noises all throughout which are a little gimmicky yeah yeah gosh and then the other thing that's like really different between the two is the set like both mm, of them are, are are contained in the in the I don't know dispatch room, but they're so like in the American one, it's very sleek, it's very high tech, it's beautiful. You have all of these screens and monitors, and like it's mm, it's a yeah. really cool set. And I liked what they did with like the colors and stuff. But then watching the Danish one, it's it just seems like a normal office. Mm. It's not high tech. It's not fancy. So I I think the fact that it just felt normal and average and nothing special, nothing sleek about it actually helped the film be more Mm. interesting to me. Interesting. And also probably a larger, more jarring contrast with the types of calls that he's Mm -hmm. taking in what feels like this very normal place. Like it almost, in the US version, it's just like, a uh, beautiful high tech sleek place where they're doing important things, you know. Yeah. And so perhaps the contrast in the Danish version if he was in a normal looking office would be like, wow, here's these calls that he's taking of people in these dire situations, but his surroundings, you know, are pretty ordinary and average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so nondescript, but the the American one is like really beautiful. I'm like, yeah. I don't feel like the LAPD like dispatch situation <laughs> is going to look that good. <laughs> Giant screens of like the news and right. fight. Like, I don't know if they. I don't. I don't know. I guess we don't know. But that's a lot of uh, high tech screens and monitors and technology that's needed to fuel yeah. all of that. You know. Yep, and everybody had like I don't know what three or four monitors on their desks mm-hmm. too. Like, yeah. Wow. 
This is fancy. The glass doors, too. I, I don't know if that would be the case either. Yeah. But well, it, it looked good. It did. But I I don't know. There was just something about, like, the nondescript nature in the Danish mm. one that just, I don't know, it added something for me. I really liked mm. that. So, I don't know. And that could just be me. But I enjoyed so it. So, I'm intrigued when we get to talking about the ending, how these two films also either deviate or are similar. Mm. So. Yeah, they're similar but different. Okay, because I didn't find this ending satisfying, and I'm curious if the Danish version did a better. Okay, let's just talk about the ending right now. Let's go. (laughs) I'm so intrigued. Please tell me more. So, okay, in general, I I think this film was was highly effective. I loved the the fact that we don't see any of the action and we hear everything through the phone and through these people's voices. I thought that was really, really interesting. And I was engaged for like pretty much most of this film. We get to the ending and there the, the phone call he makes to Rick where he says that he has changed his mind from pleading what we assume is pleading innocent and the story that they have constructed together that he's asking Rick not to do tomorrow at his trial um, and the conversion to him now choosing to bleed guilty, take the prison sentence, not see his daughter. I don't see clearly enough how the experience that he has through this 911 call with Emily Lighton and him saving her and all of that helps him make that decision. I can see some of the threads and, you know, like the, the confession that he makes to her around um, him having killed the young boy and how he can't afford to have her, essentially her blood on his hands again, might be connected to that. But I don't think it was compelling enough for us to see this really big shift for a character um, through the course of events that we go through in this movie. I just, I, di- I didn't find that satisfying. And I think we also don't get enough time with him for that to feel like the satisfying final scene of this movie. Um, but I'm, it sounds like it might've been effective for you. So I'm curious your thoughts about the ending. Yeah, no, I, I need you to watch the Danish version Ooh, <laughs> because okay. I, it's, it's, mm, it's better. Um, because so that, that moment uh, when, when the, the main character tells his partner to, you know, not lie on the stand. In the Danish version, it happens more toward the middle of the film. Mm. So he tells him that before he learns about, you know, Emily killing, or in in the Danish version, her name is Eben, uh, killing Oliver, you know, before any of that happens, he tells his partner. And to me, like that emotional moment works so much better because mm-hmm. he doesn't like because it's coming from I don't know in my opinion like a more natural place rather than yep. oh I just had this emotional experience so then I'm gonna react in this yep. way mm-hmm. and then also in the Danish version this is happening during the day and in the American version it's happening in the night shift and I think mm-hmm. that that also makes a difference I think interesting for for Joe, it probably makes sense for him to be working at night because then that makes him look like more crazy, you know, his big bug eyes because he hasn't slept and he's just, I don't know, tearing himself apart. But the idea that he had just been on this call and like in this situation for like four hours yeah. is what we're supposed to assume. And then he's going to get cleaned up to go to court in like a couple hours. I don't know. Mm -hmm. To me, like that timing just didn't work. So Mm -hmm. then in the Danish one, this is happening during the day. And so his partner has a whole night to sleep on what he's going to do. And his partner refuses in the Danish one. And he's like, no, like I'm, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to get in trouble. And then the conversation kind of fizzles out at that point. Yeah. So I think just in general, the Danish one, the emotional beats work better than they did in the American one. Because to me, like in the American one, it was engaging, but 
it was, I think, more dramatic than it probably needed to be, <laughs> which I, I get, you know, like that would be yeah. a really, really tense situation. But the whole time I just kept thinking like, whoever assigned him to this spot right. as a punishment is mm -hmm. just terrible. Like, mm -hmm. do you not understand the personality of the person you just put here? Like you need somebody mm -hmm. who's like super calm and patient and can calm people down and not get like involved. And Joe is unable to do that. <laughs> and so I was just from like a managerial standpoint, I was like, this makes no sense for this guy to be in here. So I don't know. I think the ending, oh, the other thing that you mentioned was the uh, his spiel about don't make me kill two people, basically. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow. That doesn't happen in the Danish version. Thank goodness. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because I just felt like it was, it was such a, it, I don't, selfish is probably not the word I'm trying yeah. to use here, but it's a self-centered way to yeah. try and get this woman to not take her own life. Like, to make it about him not wanting to have more guilt layered upon what he already is dealing with, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. That yeah. rubbed me the wrong way. Me too. It felt like so manipulative. And I'm yes. like, bro, are you just like, and I mean, all of his actions in this film would really point to him just being a narcissist. And <laughs> I mean, at that point, I'm like, wow, you are just a whole jerk. You're trying mm -hmm. to save her life, but it's not even about her. It's about you, right. which makes me like you even less. Exactly. And I think everything up until that point, we, while he is, he is clearly not fit for this. I think there's something really, um, beautiful about the fact that he feels so strongly to help this woman. Um, and he, he is like, there's just so much that he's investing in this. I'll bet like he should not be on this job at all, but there's, there's something that he's felt connected to and he wants to be invested in. One of my other points that will go on one of my soapboxes is like good intentions don't always translate into net good overall, which is like, mm, I think yeah. a, what this movie really shows because he channels his good intentions, but they aren't executed well and he doesn't do his due diligence. So he's honestly at a certain point like causing more harm, which I kind of appreciate the movie explored, but it's, he is, empathetic but I think it's from a from the wrong place by by the time that we see it unfold in the ending of this movie you know like it's it's coming from a broken place within himself that he feels so invested and obsessed with trying to help this woman mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I, I I think that's I don't know it's it's kind of frustrating to watch but it also makes it interesting in a way because mm -hmm. he's yeah. he's the protagonist that you're following so like you're naturally kind of set up to want to root for him but he's such a jerk and he's like you said he's making things worse instead of making things better and it's all from this like selfish motivation so in yeah. the end when he is like uh guilty and sent to prison it's kind of this like oh well yeah you deserve it mm -hmm. kind of thing so I don't know it in in some ways I I like that ending the Danish ending is much more ambiguous than the American one um, how does the Danish the Danish version end and how does he on that phone convince Emily not to like what what is his um way of of connecting with her because in the in the U.S. version it's totally him guilt tripping her Mm -hmm. And so there's there's that similarity of he confesses that he also killed someone, but he doesn't include oh, okay. that line of like, don't make me guilty for killing you too. Um, yeah, okay. And so it's still the same thing of, you know, she sees that the officers are there, then the call is disconnected, then he's okay. like, oh my gosh, what do I do? The other thing that I really liked about the Danish one is that he comes out of the room to take that final call. He doesn't stay in the room. And so, like, even that, mm. like, small shift of him being back out in the bullpen, I don't know. It, it's such a small thing. But I, I think that that works better than him being isolated in this room and having to, like, bang on the door and say, like, call mm. whoever. So, anyway. So, then the call is disconnected. Yada, yada. He finds out that she's actually fine. 
And then he just gets up and he walks out the door. And that's it. That's how the film ends. And so it's super ambiguous because you don't know. He told his partner to tell the truth at the trial, but you don't know what happens. And so I really, really like that. But I, I also understand why that couldn't be the ending of the American one, especially given how dramatic and over the top everything was. So the, the finding of Joe being guilty made a lot of sense. And so I feel like that was the correct ending. I just don't necessarily like how we got there and some of the stuff that was added in to get us there. But that was the right option for him to be found guilty. I I was satisfied with that. I was too, but I I I I'm curious if you felt this way, because that's this is the feeling I had when that final scene of him in the bathroom and him talking to Rick was happening is for most of this movie, I am invested in what happens to Emily and this whole like twist and turns of this thriller piece. There's some interesting things and the guild and whatnot with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character. But my primary investment is honestly not in him. It's in, it's in this story that's mm. unfolding and finding out what happens and how that ends. And so for the movie to end with him and this like moment of what we think is probably the growth or the turning point for this character feels misaligned with, most of what I was invested in for the rest of the movie, which is, you know, it's a little bit in his character, but he's really a vehicle for this other story that I'm, I'm more invested in. But I can also see if other viewers view it a different way and they, they really are seeing the, the arc and the growth of Jake Gyllenhaal's character. And so the final moment does make sense for them. Um, yeah, I just, I was, I felt like the character was a vehicle for me. And so for that to be the ending felt misaligned with everything else that I was experiencing with the rest of the movie. How, but how did you read it? Like which of those two trajectories did you feel more attached to invested in or was it kind of a, a, we, a weaving of the two together? Yeah, I honestly, in that final scene, I was just so grossed out that he was having this whole phone call in the bathroom stall with puke in the toilet right there. And then like we would, sh- there would be the shot from above and you would see the puke in the toilet. And so I was just really, really grossed out and I wanted the movie to be over. <laughs> but um, no, I, I was more invested in, in Emily and her whole storyline as well. Um, I would be interested to, to talk to some guys about this and Mm. see how they felt and if they were more interested like it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that we were more invested in Emily's character than anybody else's um I also just think because Joe is just such a jerk like Mm. I just I I wanted to be done with him it's like, that's great that you're turning this corner. You're having this emotional moment. That's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Please get off my screen. <laughs> like, I was just <laughs> I was just a little bit over him by that point in time. So mm. I didn't need for that phone call to be as long as it was. I think if it were shorter, right. that would have worked better to get me mm. to the guilty yep. verdict. Um, but yeah, it just went on for so long. It's like, okay, let's get out of this bathroom. It felt like I should have cared about that scene more than I actually did. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yep. You know, like this was supposed to mean something to me as the viewer to see this final phone call and moment happen, which I didn't feel. So I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, there's a disconnect here. Clearly the movie thinks I should care more than I actually do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was also confused just by Joe's relationship with his partner because yeah. he's a jerk to his partner. And like, again, like it's the middle of the night and his partner has had a drink or two and you're Mm -hmm. sending him to go knock in somebody's door and he's willing. He's not even supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. They're breaking the law. Yes. So he's, Uh, he's tipsy is breaking the law, conducting an illegal search because his disgraced partner told him to so I'm just like what do you have over your partner to manipulate him into doing all of this crap for you into lying for you on the stand yeah like 
mm, there's more there. So I think I was more interested in maybe the relationship dynamics than what was actually happening there because this partner was way too eager to please mm-hmm. Joe. And that was weird to me. I wonder if there was something there with um, the testimony and perhaps Rick being like partially responsible or somehow also involved in whatever incident occurred eight months ago, you know, cause when Jake Gyllenhaal's characters is asking Rick to like tell the truth, he also seems very concerned. He's like, no, we've talked mm-hmm. through our version of the story. So I don't know if there's anything, you know, potentially incriminating that, that Rick has done, but has just not been discovered yet. I had that thought. I don't know. We didn't get enough detail to know that. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But somehow I, in this together. Yeah, but it, it felt like so much more than just like partners covering for each other. Like, yeah. I don't know. To me, it was just weird how Joe was kind of able to do whatever the hell he wanted whenever he wanted to do it. And so I'm just like, what do you have over these people? I, yeah. I don't understand the appeal because no one says no to you. And I just, well, I don't get it. Can we talk about how there were so many times where I was like, is no one else in this in this dispatch room or the woman who's <laughs> yeah. a, like somehow the manager of this? Are they not seeing what I'm seeing? Like, <laughs> he needs to be removed from this job. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking like, oh my gosh, he would be a terrible person to manage. And so like, yeah. I get it. If you have a problem employee that you're stuck with that you don't really have control over and you can't fire, like, yeah, I'd probably let him do whatever he wanted to. So it was just that moment of like, ah, from a managerial perspective, mm-hmm. either yeah. you have to like really like ride that person and make it mm-hmm. just absolutely uncomfortable or you just go, okay, I'm just not going to fight this battle because it's not worth it. And you won't be my problem after tomorrow. So that's kind of how I read her was she was just like, oh my God, uh, I just okay. got to make it through this day. And then I'm done with you. And I don't ever need to see you again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's a dude that comes in and is like, you need to fix your attitude. Yeah. You know, yep. but so they, they see it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if he was going to be back on the streets as a cop tomorrow or thrown in prison tomorrow, oh it's gosh. just kind of like, ah, okay, I'm just, I I have enough to deal with in my life. You just don't, don't destroy the building, then we're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. There's a line that uh, someone says, I forget it's the woman or one of the dudes who comes in and says, broken people save broken people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the woman. I have- I have feelings about. <laughs> Me too. Let's let's unpack it. What let's are your unpack feelings? It. Let's get in our smoke box together. <laughs> so I think what's interesting about that statement is there's there's it's a half truth. You know, like there's parts of that that are true, but that statement alone is inaccurate and I think toxic. Because I think there's truth that people who have gone through uh trauma or experiences can go and connect with others who face either similar experiences or who are in the midst of that dark place or whatnot. And there's a there's a connection point that those two people can have that's it's really valuable um, to, to be able to say like, I've been there and I know what you're going through, but he, like here is the hope for where you can, where, where is possible to go next. But I think truly broken people that have not begun to heal and to um, get back onto the right path are just toxic and are often doing more harm than good. And I think we see a lot of that in this movie. Like he, he has become obsessed with this case in a way that is unhealthy. I don't even think he's following protocol. I have questions about like, are they even allowed to do some of the things that he's doing? I think not. Nope. (laughs) Um, but but th- I think it's a toxic message. And I think that statement was meant to read as like kind of the, the theme or like the beautiful part of this movie of like here's two people that have found solace with each other and have connected in a really beautiful way to like save themselves. But that statement alone is problematic because it's 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 not entirely accurate in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. I Yes. Cosign entirely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Um, That line, I read that as 
basically saying that the end justifies the means, Mm -hmm. which I don't believe because I think how we do what we do matters. Yes. And so I I think that was what I I really struggled with was this idea of, like you said, him, him breaking protocol, him pissing off all of these people, him sending his partner on a wild goose chase when he's off duty. Like to do illegal, yeah, hello. Legal searches. So like all of these things that he did and we're supposed to believe that because this woman, she didn't kill herself, which is a good outcome. Yeah. um, That it was worth all of it. And it's just one of those like, if you hadn't gotten involved in this, actually, that daughter wouldn't have seen her cut up brother. And this woman would be in a psychiatric hospital Mm -hmm. right now. And so I, I, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be this like, oh my gosh, he broke all the rules, but it ended up good in the end. Mm -hmm. But did it? It probably would have been better had you just butted out and not took on this case to be your whole night, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, no, I, I had a problem with the, maybe, I mean, the words are problematic, like you said, but also the implied meaning in the greater lens of the story a story yeah i completely agree yeah so that wasn't great (laughs) (laughs) nope definitely not nope especially like she obviously doesn't like him and she's had to like reprimand him multiple times in the film yeah and she's like managing this whole other room full of people which is not easy Mm -hmm. doing a very very difficult job and so then to come in and say that also just felt like it didn't make sense for her character either. I don't know. It yeah. just it all felt wrong. Yeah, that's so true. It felt like the way the context you said that in felt like a oh good job. Like mm-hmm. yep. You did well. Yeah. You know, like you have saved this woman's life. Congratulations. Mhm. And also, you saved her life because of some sh- awful thing that you did and that was the thing? Like no. I can I can see how that can be used for good, but not in the mental state that he's in in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I yeah, it just all felt wrong. <laughs> it's yeah. like I don't like this anymore. <laughs> no, like that this should not be rewarded. Your behavior should not be rewarded at all. Mm-mm. Heck no, no. Yeah. So I think what's what I think did work well in this movie is the connection points that are kind of drawn between his daughter and Abby and the fact that this woman from the beginning is talking about like wanting to go back to her child. And there's like a, I think that's part of what really ignites a lot of the empathy that Jake Gyllenhaal's character has for this specific case. I'm curious, how does, how does the Danish version handle that because I think you said that it's revealed about halfway through that he has a family and a daughter um yeah it's yeah. never revealed that he has a daughter in the Danish one. Oh, interesting. so yeah and I so I I like that it it isn't explicit whether he has kids or not mm. you know like um I don't know, for me, even before I watched the Danish one, I wasn't fully convinced about the whole having a daughter and a, I don't know, separated wife situation. I ju- it didn't feel right to me. There was something oh, off about it. And it almost felt like the little girl was supposed to manipulate me into liking the character and understanding the character more. Mm-hmm. Um, And so then, yeah, so then to see it in the Danish version where that isn't the case and it works just as well, I I don't know, it, I, yeah, the little girl didn't work, or his daughter in the American one didn't work for me. But again, that could just be me. (laughs) Well, I think what's interesting is that he is, he's such an ass from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um. That without him having this, like, heart for his child, I think his character would have been so much more unlikable. Whereas it sounds like in the Danish version, he is competent at his job. And I don't know if that helps us, like, become invested in, like, be rooting for him. Like, he is – does that make him likable in the Danish version? 
Yeah, and I mean, he's he's polite also. And I mean, I just think that that's just cultural, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he's please and thank you and things like that are said in the Danish version where it's not said in the American version. So I think even... I, yeah, I think that change in character really changed the whole tone of the film. Yeah. And again, like not for the better. I, I think what makes this film so interesting is, so like in the Danish one, it's pretty subtle. A lot of the things are subtle. There are these like explosions of emotion, but for the most part, mm. it's, it's all under the surface and you know that it's there, but you don't see it. And in the American version, it's all over the place and you feel all the emotions and you see all the emotions and it's all there and dramatic. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, it's a choice. I just don't think that it was the right choice. Well, it helps take away one of the primary distractions for me in watching this movie, which is like, he should, he's not fit for this. Like, why is he still here? You know, like, and I think having perhaps see that unfold slowly in him. Like he is, mm-hmm. it sounds like in the Danish version, competent at what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he he is doing a great job at it. But then to see his descent into madness must have been really fascinating and interesting. Mm-hmm. Whereas from the beginning, I'm like, why is he here? Like somebody yeah. needs to get him off off this job. Right? I'm like, like yelling at people. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. He's making fun of this guy who got robbed by a prostitute, which <laughs> I mean, I love that bit. That is pretty funny. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I just, that's, that was just so funny to uncover with him, you know? Cause like you're going through all the questions and it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a really funny situation. So, yeah, that was so good. Yeah. I think one of my other questions, like kind of regarding Joe's competency, was the inhaler. Like, it's such a consistent and visible piece of this. And he takes at yeah. least like three puffs from his inhaler in what we learn is a span of about four hours. I don't have an inhaler, but I feel like that's too many in that time frame. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But so, and he was just constantly holding it, constantly fiddling with it. Like, yeah, he couldn't breathe. Anytime he would breathe, he would start to cough. Yeah. And so it, it's like, okay, not only psychologically are you in a good place to be a police officer. You're also physically not able to do the job. So like I even had, I wanted more of his medical history. I wanted to know what was going on and why he had the inhaler, why he couldn't breathe, what is happening to you. So I don't know. I just, they, they throw these things out and I wanted answers to them Mm -hmm. though. That's not the point of the whole film, but they were never going to give me those answers that I wanted. No, we never get them. And I think, more of his like psychological and instability contributes to really the like climactic moments of this movie than his physical. Even mm-hmm. though we see so many moments where the physical is a problem, you know, like there's never moments where he's in the middle of a tense conversation and he, because he's coughing so much he can't he he can't continue to like gather information or whatever. We don't see those threads intertwined. It's just it's backdrop. Mhm. Yeah. It just it felt like unnecessary noise basically to me like it was supposed to mean something but it didn't doesn't end up meaning anything like why include all these things if it's not supposed to mean something Mm -hmm. and so i kept thinking because it's in california because of the the fires like i didn't know if it was that that was causing him to have to use his inhaler like that was the best solution that i could come up with but Mm. i don't know that that is the answer but that was that was my best guess yeah but even if that's the case, it doesn't amount to any – doesn't affect the plot. Nope. Sure doesn't. It's just color, background color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's just annoying to me. Like, it yeah. doesn't mean anything, and it's so prominent. Like, mm-hmm. if it happened once, like, ah, no big deal, whatever, I'll let it go. But, yeah. like, that was that was his best friend through this whole ordeal. And well, there's so many close-up shots of it as well. Yeah. You know, like him gripping the inhaler in certain moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious does the Danish version tackle any of the like societal systems and bureaucracy issues that this this US version kind of touches on briefly with uh for example Henry not being able to pay for the meds and there's this this like subtle commentary on how 
Emily and Henry are just victims of a system that has not been able to help them. You know, like I think Henry has a line that says like, you guys are supposed to be protecting us, but you aren't helping at all. Like we, we, we just couldn't pay for any of the meds to get her help. Um, and that's how we ended up here. And so I'm curious if the Danish version touches on that at all, or is that purely something that the U S version tackles and then is potentially because of the climate that we're in, like some political commentary that it's weaving in. Uh, there was the similar line of like when, um, uh, his name is Asger in um, the Danish one, when he's talking to, uh, his name is Michael in the Danish one, but when they're talking, um, he says something to the effect of like, oh, were the police were trying to help you or the protectors, like something like that. And then Mm -hmm. the response is that similar, like, you know, the, the hospitals, the ambulance, Mm -hmm. like whatever, like they tried to help and they failed us. Like it's that kind of line. It's very similar in both of them, but the American one leans more heavily into it than the Danish Mm -hmm. one. One of the differences too, that I thought was interesting was in the American one, when Joe is talking to Abby um, and he's like, hey, the police are coming. She's like, no, don't send the police. The police are bad. The police took my dad away. And that's not in the Danish one. And so Mm. that line difference was very interesting to me that that they added that in there. Um, So I, I think it's in the Danish one, but it's not emphasize yeah mm. yeah so i feel like that's what the american version did like it took everything that the danish version did and just multiplied it by like 20 and then we got what we got <laughs> turned up the volume on and like saturation levels yeah. for the themes of this movie huh <laughs> basically oh yep <laughs> well it's an interesting question like i think a lot of like US based thrillers tend to be really freaking dramatic, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I wonder if there's yeah. just like there's just like an appetite or a or a um yeah, an appetite that has been developed and curated in American audiences for the really dramatic stories. Especially in thrillers. Thrillers, crime dramas, all of that. Yeah. And I, I do think that that's the case and so like yeah. we talked about in the my son episode like i like yeah. european dramas i like european like crime thrillers because they're just different they have this different tone to it than the american ones do i enjoy a good american police procedural as well but i don't know i i like the subtlety and that's more of what mm-hmm. the danish version is it's it's more subtle and it i think it's more nuanced probably mm-hmm. than the american version is which, I mean, let's be honest, American stuff is not subtle, nor is it nuanced. No. So you you know what you're getting into. <laughs> so you're yep. probably right. Like, it's just, it's par for the course. It's on brand really, for American Really thrillers. spelled out. Yeah. Spelled out for us. Does yep. the broken people save broken people line happen in the Danish nope. version? Nope. Because even what I'm after, saying. Because <laughs> he, what does he do? He calls and he finds out that. Oh, that's right. That, ends. Yeah. And so mm. like he, he makes the call and he has no other interaction with anybody else in the bullpen and he just gets up and leaves. Which mm. I just it almost feels like this like mat this like mic drop that happens. And it's just yeah. like boom, I did it and I'm gone. And I just yeah. I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> I well, didn't need all the talking and all of the supposedly heartfelt lines. Like, no, just yeah. be done. Yeah. And especially if he doesn't guilt trip her, like that is the redemption for the character, you know? And I think the fact that he had the conversation with his partner before he had the conversation with the woman makes it like truly he has had a change of heart. Because you can tell that he's like, there's so many layers to this character, even though he's not expressing emotion, there's a Mm -hmm. lot going on in him. And so Mm -hmm. you just see this like, moment of oh okay you know what I'm actually a good person and I'm gonna do the right thing even if it costs me Mm. and then he helps the woman like it's just uh, it's so much better it's the emotional layering that helps the viewer one like begin to root for him and then really see the fruits of them rooting for him come to fruition 
and then leaves it there. It sounds like no need to continue mm-hmm. to dwell on it or really spell it out for us. Like yeah. get it. Yeah. This is that's his redemption. Exactly. Mm. So regardless of whether his partner does what he asked or not, whether, you know, he he goes to prison or he stays a cop, like whatever, we know that he is not that same person. We know that he's changed. Whereas in the American version, I don't know that he's changed, even though he's been sentenced and found guilty and is going to prison. I Mm -hmm. still think that he's a jerk. And he is mm-hmm. not a good guy. And he is a corrupt cop who deserves to be in prison. So it's just so interesting that these two films, I mean, like pages of dialogue are the same. Like things are mm. the same. Like him like going to get a drink of something. Him dropping wow. like little Alka-Seltzers in his water. Him going to another room and turning all the blinds. Like, I mean, things are like a carbon copy. And yet... The emotional outcome is so, so different, different between these two yeah. things. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's fun. To, that's that's a fun that's a fun exercise to think about. Like if you take mm-hmm. the same script, you change some order, you change some of these like key components and see how differently it changes the like loyalties of the audience. Yeah. I mean, it really shows how all of those small details about the timing of things in the plot or um, the emotional tones of certain scenes and how it builds like really make a huge difference. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I really need you to watch the Danish version. <laughs> I'm intrigued now. Like I'm, I'm in, I overall love the concept of this movie, you know, like, and so if there's a version of it, that's better executed. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you'll like it a lot better. Mm. Okay. Perfect. Uh, okay. And other other pieces of this film that we wanted to touch on. Well, let's see. Oh, we should talk about Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. Oh, yeah. Really well done. I mean, yeah. this is hard. Oh, absolutely. This is a hard role to do well. Yeah. Uh, before I watched the Danish version, my summary was, there's nothing Jake Gyllenhaal can't do. Mm. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Nice. I, yeah. I, this is, as, as much as I did not like this character, he performed it very, very well. So it's, this is not an easy movie because Mm -hmm. it largely just rests on him and he is a good enough character or a good enough actor to bear that weight and make it engaging and engrossing and as infuriated as I was by him, um, I kind of wanted to just continue watching the train wreck happen. (laughs) <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of um john cho talking about how difficult it was to act in searching and you know there are some other challenges yeah. with searching that this one doesn't have but i think the common denominator is like it's them reacting to really dramatic events but the camera's like almost constantly on them you know and we don't get to see him interact or have dynamics with other characters on screen it's solely through the phone calls so really, the mo- this is like 90 minutes of Jake Gyllenhaal reacting to phone calls, basically. Mm-hmm. And man, that's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. Yep. And to play this like totally just, oh my gosh. Off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Frenetic. Character. The man is off his freaking rocker. And mm-hmm. Jake, Jake does it. So mm-hmm. good job. <laughs> yeah. And, and some of the scenes where – he is either having a realization about like what he's done and the like truth of the situation or you know he's on the phone and someone is incredibly distressed and you see like how it is emotionally affecting him it's it's actually more subtle than I expected I I thought I would see more of a reaction in but I, I almost feel like because it was a more subtle like his facial expressions were changing in smaller ways, it carried more weight. And it was like close-ups of his face. And mm-hmm. that's just, I mean, he's truly just acting with his with with just his face. He has no other like body uh movements or gestures to work with in those scenes. And props to him. That those were the moments where I was like, you know, Jake John Hall, you are really killing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It is tough. And then I also just love that it's so largely based on what you hear. And mm. 
so that all of these other like really good actors there was a phenomenal cast in the American one (laughs) and all we hear is their voice and that's enough and I just I kind of love that you know there are different shows and movies that are doing more of that it made me think of um on Apple TV Plus, there is a, a TV show that's just called Calls, and that's oh. all it is. It's recordings of these phone calls, and they're like really short. They're like 30-minute episodes, but we learn so much about these characters just from the calls. We don't see anybody, and so I just love that different creators are playing with this medium in different ways, and mm. it's just that reminder that we can learn so much from someone just based on their voice. And mm-hmm. it, it's just really fun. Like, you know, we don't need to like completely recreate the medium, but these little pieces of innovation and let's do a thriller differently where we don't see anything, mm-hmm. but we hear what's going on. And so we imagine it, which in some ways makes it even right. more horrific than if we were to see it. But it's such a gripping way to to make a film. Yeah. Totally agree. That and also the way they intercut uh, shots of what he was doing on his screen, on his computer screens, Mm -hmm. uh, really added like pace and also added tension and momentum in certain scenes where it needed it. Uh, You know, like cutting back and forth between him flipping to California Highway Patrol and like getting on a call there and then like switching back to typing something like all of those cuts and the pacing of that cinematography is really well done too to to help add one something like visually different for us besides Jake John Hall's face and this dispatch center um but also it helps create momentum with different types of visual visual cues to help us show this is a tense moment and I loved the way they used technology in in interesting ways too Mm-hmm. And I even love like the the clicks that they would oh, do, yeah. and like when he was like really really frustrated, then like his clicks on the keypad were so loud and like so forceful, and then other times it was just kind of like boop 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 like normal clicks. So even mm. in those little changes, you could hear um, how he's treating this technology differently to show how <laughs> he's feeling. Yeah, they really made use of all of the things that they had in that room. The other one that comes to mind is when he's writing things on his notepad and like the pace that he's writing. Like if we were in that situation, like, gosh, yes, like we are scribbling and we are hungry. Like his his pen waiting for the next bit of information that Abby will tell him about Henry. Um, Just waiting with anticipation, just communicated so much. So that was really fun to see, really effective. Also, he had beautiful handwriting. Like, if I'm in that situation and I'm scribbling stuff down, my handwriting's going to be trash. Mm-hmm. But his was, like, so beautiful and perfect. Like, wow, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, you have great penmanship. This is an <laughs> accomplishment. Yeah, so true. But I'm also like, why isn't he typing this stuff? I know, right? When was he typing and when was he writing? I don't know. I think because once he realized that it wasn't, he was going beyond the scope of his duties. That's when he stopped recording it in the computer. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then he only used his computer for search, like searching by Mm -hmm. the license plate name or the phone number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so like the other thing that I was thinking about is in those situations, all of those calls are recorded. So... Um, and they can be monitored in real time by your supervisor as well. Right. So honestly, if I was a supervisor, I would be listening to every single one of his calls because I don't trust this dude, but that's neither here nor there. So like when he confesses to killing a person on the phone call, it's like, this is recorded. Do you not understand how damaging this is? Like it's saved somewhere. You just totally yeah. blew up your defense by admitting yeah. that you killed this dude. What is wrong with you? So I don't know. Even when he went into like the other little room to make his calls, I was like, this is still recorded and your supervisor can still listen to you even if you're not in the room. What was the point of moving? Like you better hope Rick tells the truth because you're going to look real sketch otherwise. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah. I know I wasn't supposed to be thinking about those things, but I was. <laughs> I had questions too around like 
he's not just the whole thing. He's not an he's not a detective. Like what what I don't know enough about how nine one one dispatchers are meant to function, but I would assume their job is primarily to take the calls and field the calls. Mm-hmm. Like they are not supposed to be experts in trying to investigate. But it sounds like there's a little bit of that that's part of their role when he was talking with um, California Highway Patrol and them her continuing to ask him for like figure out the license plate number and like essentially like figure it out use whatever means you can so i just had open questions i wanted to like hit up google and figure out like what <laughs> right? is where do their job responsibilities end and where have they where has he now like entered in territory that he's not supposed to be digging into Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering, like, did she think that he still had the woman on the phone? And so like, he could get more information from her? Like, right. that that's in my mind, what? That's how I read that rather than like the CHP lady going, Oh, yeah, I need you to investigate this on your own. Because mm-hmm. that's way far outside of his job. Hmm. Yeah. Because there was there's precedent for that because he was asking for a license plate number from the guy who was robbed mm-hmm. by the prostitute earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Which also, can we just talk about the CHP lady? Because she was great. She was my favorite character in this whole yes. film. Because she... Put him in his place. Yes! It was so good. I was so pleased in that moment. I'm up my ass and phone calls right, right. now. Right. <laughs> Get off the phone. <laughs> it was so good. Like, yes, come on. You tell him. He's such a jerk. Mm -hmm. And no one will tell him off. And she did. And it was satisfying. (laughs) The other thought that I had while watching this movie was like, gosh, I better know at any moment what the heck street I'm on and what the heck license plate number of the car I'm driving is. Because apparently that is crucial information. I don't know about you, but like sometimes I'll be Mm -hmm. like walking around like it's dark out. I can't really see the street sign and if I'm in a crisis moment like I'm not gonna be able to see the street sign and read it to you on the phone so yeah this seems to be useful information (laughs) I'm just losing time if I can't provide it quickly enough right apparently they can only track you to the nearest cell tower okay it's good to know I'm like oh gosh I need to know what street intersection I'm in at any given moment in time (laughs) especially at night (laughs) and who remembers their license plate number anyway I think you're supposed to. That was oh, something really? like my mother, would, my mom always <laughs> told me. She was like, Sarah, you Ooh. always need to remember your license plate number. I don't remember my license plate number. I know the first three letters, but that's all I got. Yeah. So that's usually what you need to like find it. If you're like at a parking lot, you're like, oh, that's some little card. Like, nope. Wrong not- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but well, apparently after this, I'm going to listen to my mother <laughs> and I'm going to memorize my license plate number. So there's that. This is a good PSA. Information you need to know if you're calling 911. Like, make sure you have this ready. Prerequisite. Yeah. yeah. And another question that I had was, um, he had a gun on him while he was answering calls. And I just had questions. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I know that you're a cop, but why are you packing heat um, while answering phone calls? That feels unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It seemed like he really didn't get much training on this either. Well, but I mean, those systems are complicated to yeah. to use. So he had to have had some training. And we learn, yeah. I mean, it's been months since he's not been out on the streets. So, I mean, he's been doing this for a minute, clearly. Mm-hmm. But why, why, why are you armed while answering calls? Like, I get it. You're a cop. But um, really? why (laughs) so again i had questions it's not relevant to the point but i had questions yeah that's fair he was also an asshole to the dude sitting next to him oh he was so mean it's like no i like that guy better than you be nice i'm saying okay well anything else that we wanted to touch on with the guilty um i just find it humorous that uh, Emily's favorite food was cherry Slurpee. I thought that that was funny. <laughs> and so then, his response was like, that's not a food. Right? Because that's what I was thinking too. I was like, hmm, okay. I, mm. It's not food, but sure, to each his own. 
So that little moment was humorous for me. So in the middle of a really tense situation for, uh, for them to be have a break in humor, that was great. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. Well, this was our review and discussion of The Guilty. You can find it available on Netflix. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about the guilty. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at Strategic Whimsy Experiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film The Truman Show. We hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next week. Thank you.